Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that went down on Saturday's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we preview and review Collision, Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, oh, pay-per-views, premium live events, wrestler interviews on occasion, roundtable discussions, on occasion, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Hamlet, brief summarized thoughts on Collage. Well, are you still a collider? No, in the, but I wasn't before the punker left, so I just want to get those like accusations of obvious bias out there straight away. Uh, like on the week that we were so full of praise for Dynamite, maybe this is the fussy reality of being an AW fan. I didn't want another Dynamite on Saturday. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm so, the same. So I'm neither buzzing with how this collision played out nor am i particularly praying for its soul like a bunch of the hardest of hardcore colliders seem to be yeah. after the fact i just thought this was what where i was really devastated was like eh, this is all right but it was a bit dynamitey and when was the last time i felt that way about a show rampage and yeah. it died in front of my very eyes yeah and i'd rather not see this become a rampage so quickly after the punk thing otherwise it's not so much as a culture war as a culture squash isn't it you know i like i the ideal scenario for me would be if this was labelled something else and Danielson had the book. If, like, ROH, if he f- was successful in his stated ambition to make ROH a worthy brand where, like, even cosmetically it looked and felt different mm. and it was, and Tony Khan was like, you know what? Minimal talent crossover. I might need someone at a pinch to like, if someone gets you know like injured or something last second or can't make the show or whatever, I might need an ROH guy or AEW guy. Like, just then you could do a little bit of crossover. I just wish he'd, ROH different set of initials. Just give somebody else the book, somebody else the book, so we won't get to something. I'm going to rip the piss out of imminently. Right, I was trying to think. Right, how fair am I being? Is it? that much more content are you being greedy or the opposite of greedy or whatever so i said to myself and i really tried to think about this answer was in february 2020 the halcyon days of this promotion where the vibe was just the thought and the vibe and the in-ring quality and the trifecta like everything was perfect i feel like somebody needs to make it i miss february 2020 shirt like the i broke well, who's next? Yes. You know, like the old school font sort yes. of thing. I'd wear that. That could be my Dusty gimmick. Dusty Rhodes is an egg-sucking dog or something. Hey, what culture merch? That's what I'm going to make. <laughs> you can have a bit of the, the, the commission. Thanks. Thanks, Dad. It was your idea. <laughs> um, I, if someone had said to me, right, one, 
next week, you can have two more hours of this every week on Saturday. And I'll go, uh, and then they'll go, no, 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 before you make that air noise, it's going to be as good. It's going to be as good. You just mm. get four hours. I still don't think I'd want it, you know. Even if they'd said to me in February 2020, you're going to get two more hours of AEW television. And guess what? It's going to be just as good. All of those comparisons of Thunder and SmackDown after, like, what, a year, two years? Yeah. Save the SmackDown 6 or whatever. You know, it's they're going to break, they're going to book the trend, and it's going to be four incredible hours. You just get double your fun. I think with my sensibilities and how old I am and all the rest of it, I still think I'd go, you know what? I think I'd rather just wait a full week. I think I'd rather wait a full week because what you're getting in the space of that day is just an extra day of waiting and anticipating and wanting to watch it. Like, it might be hard for younger fans to get this. And I'm 37. I'm 38 this month, man. I am 38 years old this month. So maybe I'm not speaking for a lot of people who are just used to, you know, streaming and, you know, they're used to four hours of one more. They used to, yeah, they used to Raw and SmackDown at a minimum. They grew up on Raw and SmackDown mm-hmm. when we grew up on Raw, like Action Zone superstars, but like all very sporadic. You wouldn't yeah, get yeah. it every single week yeah. as part of your diet because it was harder for us to watch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Minimalist, like you have to wait, you have to anticipate. It feels elusive, it feels premium. And that was the joy of that AEW model. It was like, oh my God. Four pay-per-views a year in two hours a week, and that's it. Like, thank you. I don't know if it's just me being old or being sort of, what's the spoiled? I'll give you this, right? I remember you eating a bit online at the time with your concerns over the introduction of the TNT title. Yes, I remember that. And There was a purity to old AEW. And we've both had fights over authority figures. (laughs) Yeah. Since AEW launched, because so many people grew up with that as the most normalized trope of a wrestling show. Where's the, uh, where's the fictional boss? Can I get Taz to come in and do this? <laughs> no. no. No, absolutely not. Um, it's funny, you know, you mentioned about Ring of Honor and had that branding picked up. Isn't it weird how... But like, Dan, without any Tony Khan influence. Right. Like, other Tony, than you can't do this, this, or that, because it'll get me in legal trouble, you know? Like, Tony Khan, in 2022, off the back of a Sterling 2021 and a second... Challenger brand, weekly, episodic show, more than proving itself. X, however many times the value of the last TV deal, the next one's going to get. 2022, form of his life still, couldn't sell. It's still me, can I put ROH on it? In the same way, Vince McMahon, having just monopolized the industry, wasn't allowed by the same, well, different execs, but to put WCW on, isn't it weird how, like, TV execs seem to be discerning about, like, the initials and the brand? Yeah. Like, the stuff there, the money they throw at these products, when we know, week to week, it doesn't always earn its money. Yeah. But, like, just every now and then, they'll promote this big angle, like, see, we're worth another billion, Uh, Becky Lynch is on NXT, gonna have to give us the money. Like, they get it, again, they get the cash. Wrestling always seems to win. Cockroaches and pro wrestling. A pandemic proved it, right? And yet, it's like, ring of what? No, 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 we're paying for AEW. It's me. It's wrestlers. It's a ring. 20 by 20. Nah, AEW. We'll pay for AEW. Yeah. You can have a collision. And like back then, we just really need Nitro. It's a strong brand. No, it's not WWF. Yeah. All right. It's, what a strange know, quirk these exact seem to spot. Like, no, you're not I that. just think people, it's just this day and age. This is, if it's old man yells at cloud stuff, so be it. Maybe it does. There is a malaise that continues to persist with AEW, I believe. 
Um, you can see it in the lack of attendances, that true lack of atmosphere, like the online discourse. There is a malaise. It's not going away. Maybe it never will at this point. And um, I just think that extra day where you get content is for my, again, maybe dinosaur sensibilities is another day where the absence of something makes that something better, you know? This Maybe it's just me being old. And I'll say one more thing, right? This is pathetic before we get into actual collision. What I'm trying to say is, for me, the, the good content, because I thought this was mostly a good show, mm. some boring mid, but, you know, like, it's just the absence of it means, for me and my sensibilities, could always mean so much more than getting it if, that, if I'm driving at the right track. This is pathetic. Don't care admitting it. I was in my mid-30s. I was in my mid-30s at the time. This is as sad as it gets. I distinctly remember, I think it was February 26 or 25, whatever, 2020, February. The Kenny Omega Pack Iron Man. Mm. I kind of struggled to get to sleep because I was a little bit of a nerd looking forward to it. My body sensed my silly little excitement in my head and just woke me up. Like, trying to be helpful? Yeah. It's like, no, you're not being helpful, body. If anything, you're going to regret this when I'm deep in the afternoon trying to work. But I think my body was just like, you know, you're excited. You're giving me this... Your brain is giving my body this physical response where I'm sending the receptors to... Mm-hmm. What? You're going to get up at 1 o'clock because you were excited about this. This is like me 40 minutes for backlash. Yeah. I'm like, oh, backlash I don't want to be up at 1. I want to be up at 3 because I have to watch <laughs> freaking NXT at 5. Oh, they were the days. Like, you know what I mean? I wanted it so much. I anticipated it so much. Yeah. The feeling of it, it's yeah, man. Like, content farming is just, it sucks. It sucks so much. I'm old. I'm probably old. I don't care. This is not the first conversation we've had about, and this happened in a build to All In and All Out, and possibly because Willborn isn't there, keep us on the tracks. But this is not the first conversation we've had about, it's not just criticism of AEW. It's about what AEW is bringing to the table in terms of content versus product. Like, we're having this chat a lot at the moment, and we're yeah. doing it in the office as well. Like, they're, I think I've got it less than you, because I am I know that, like, wrestling is more of a sickness to me than it is to you. I think you're just able to switch it off sometimes, and I, I'm incapable. And when I say switch it off, I'm far from a devotee. I'm not going to my Tokyo Joshi Pro. Just give me more North American mainstream, please. Give me more slop. Yes, you want more slop. To make my square head all around it, right? It's not slop that I'm like enjoying the taste of I'm just just indulging in it for the sake of it it's just that sixth pack of mini cheddars when when even five was too much it's like well time for two's co- too much well time for collision maybe three to push maybe three to push because the first pack you just you spend in making mini cheddar sandwiches out of mini cheddar crisps biting around the edges so it looks like the lettuce in a cartoon burger you know how animated burgers always look better than the real thing no but pizzas do uh, is pizza your thing, is it? Yeah, because it's like it's from that turtle thing where they pull it off the slice and he's got a long string of cheese. Pizza adverts have aimed for that. There was a pink cake in the intro. If you know this right, tell me on Twitter, X. It's like a, a cartoon. There was a bear in it. And in the title sequence, there was a pink cake. Okay. And it looks like the most delicious food ever I always used to go, I, I need that pink cake. I need to eat it. There was a bear. It was the intro sequence to a cartoon. There was a pink cake in it. I can picture You like, get these hazy memories. Like perfect, tall disc. No, no, it was, quite, pink. It was, it was quite flat. I don't know then, maybe not. 
I'm saying uh, my burger one is because of it's Homer stealing the burgers from Flanders Barbecue and then taking them back into his house. And I just that really left an image with me as a kid. It's like that's what being an adult could be. Yeah, just like a triangular pile of burgers in your vest and your pants and your bare slippers. Yes, that, that's your day. Yeah. I was like, it'd be a good day there. It would. It'd be a great day, wouldn't it? It'd be a good day. Sit down, put collision on, eat your slop. Yep. Anyway, let's get straight into it because for a while, my cynical fears, I believe, were founded when John Moxley retained the international title over Action Andretti. Going into it, I thought, fourth consecutive TV match against a high flyer. Maybe you're going to dent some of Moxley's aura rather than bring people along, which is the opposite of the intention of this open challenge. First of many. <laughs> because oh, this is the new thing, isn't it? It's the, the new, new thing. thing oh God! Well, don't worry. I will, I will bury this. I will bury this. I will bury this because I hate it. So the story of the match is Moxley gets overwhelmed by Action Andretti, and Action Andretti gets a lot of stuff in before ultimately John Moxley outsmarts him. There's either a serendipitous layout or John Moxley's incredible at selling, and he what's the um. X Twitter understands the remit, but like not that. Um, don't know that one. Either. Anyway, he just understands what the job is yeah. basically because he does this uncharacteristic attempt at an aerial. Understood the assignment. Yes, understood yeah. the assignment. So Moxley, as an assignment being, elevate people and make it look like you're going to lose your title in the process, and then look like a killer at the end. So you got hmm. credibility for next week. There's lots to like here, but I was eh, there's a few bits I didn't like. So he, he jumps off the rope, thinks he's trying to do an axe handle slash flying nothing, and then he seems to jam his knee. And his selling's great, because I'm thinking, is his knee actually a little bit knackered here? Yeah. But it can't be, because unless it's as thick as he looks, Action Andretti <laughs> just starts leathering it and leathering it and leathering it. So I'm like, John Moxie's excellent if he's selling there. And the fact that I'm asking if he's selling is means he's excellent, mm-hmm. yes? But I don't pin all the blame on Andretti. He's very green. He's one of those who's like deceptively green because he understands the assignment of being a kick pad exciting guy, except like there are certain things he does that just don't look good. He goes to do this springboard moonsault to the outside. Mm. What is he doing? John Moxley, and this just completely broke the spell, has to sprint to the right for what felt like three seconds yeah. just to take the move. <laughs> on, a bad, like, on a bad wheel. <laughs> I yeah. on a bad wheel. It's the it's the wrestling equivalent of hitting the corner flag. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Then elsewhere, he goes. I think it's a shooting star mm-hmm. off the top rope, and I think he just again he just never he rarely looks like he's connecting. He always looks like he's doing the move in the vicinity of someone, and his a lot of his off- offense Andretti's looks kind of piss weak to be honest. Looks like it's really contrived. Looks like he barely connects with his opponent. Doesn't look like it hurts. It's one thing to do this style and go, oh, it's stupid. And it's not fundamentally, it just isn't stupid. Wrestling fundamentally is stupid. This genre of it isn't. This version of it is stupid. It just doesn't look like it's hurting people. You know when your club signs a player? Not anymore 20% of your club. But prior to this, our clubs would sign players and they could be useless. We've never heard of them. And then somebody sends you a YouTube link. Right. Just, oh, we've signed the greatest player in the world. Yes. How did no other club realise that yeah. this player was goaded? Did, like, Chris Jericho see that Action Andretti video? Possibly. he has enough in the locker to make that YouTube he video. He saw him live. He saw him live on a dark tape. Right. Heard the reaction. 
in like meerkatted interest was peaked and thought, all right, okay, I can get over through him. Because it's there, isn't it? There's enough to put that reel together. With that, that, of course there is. He's a really great athlete. He's just, he kind of, some of his stuff just doesn't look like it um, connects or even hurts. Mm. And there's a bit here which I want to lead it, mention because it leads into another point where he kind of does a shooting starry thing or something where he falls short of the target mm-hmm. in all too tr- traditional action Andretti style. And Nigel McGuinness attempts to style it as very clever from the young man. <laughs> he knows that Moxley's legs hurting, so he focuses assault on there instead of the midsection. Very clever. I think he's scrambling to cover for the That's fact the job, that. Right? That's the yeah. yeah. But Ke- Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness are not a good commentary team. McGuinness was pretty good at all in from the stuff I've heard back. I thought him and Rick Bonnie were better, but I don't know if it's Rick Bonnie just being great. He is very good. Kevin Kelly. I need to talk about Kevin, and uh, I need to do it now because I'll forget elsewhere. Can you remember last week we were having our deep dive into our just general feelings on the state of wrestling? Yeah. And I made the point that no matter how good the in-ring quality is, no matter how good the plotting is, there is just a quality about WWE that I find alienating. Yeah. Basically, I'm too real. <laughs> There's something about WWE yeah. and its value system that I just I find off-putting. And I use Charlotte Flair as the example of WWE thinks she and this character is a baby face. Mm. And I'm thinking, no, she isn't. And that's the difference between me and this company. I could, I will watch a lot of trashy sitcoms if I need something to watch with tea. Yeah. But I can never commit to like a Chuck Law sitcom. I think the value system is so broken in Two and yes. a Half Men, the Big Bang Theory, and the yes. like, that his universe will never be for me. Yeah, it's the same with yeah. me and WWE. Just troubling, because I have to cover it for a living. <laughs> but that's a company that sees Charlotte Flair as a baby face, which is oh, no, she's a baby face, and Road Dog, who works there. I couldn't understand why fans thought Becky was a baby face in 2018. Oh, it's, like, it's, just, it's just different. I cannot get it's on the board with thing it. you said this week. <laughs> I always value AEW, for I never get that vibe off them. Mm. Like Excalibur just seems too sound. Yeah. Seems too dialed into my plane of reality. Kevin Kelly disturbs his frequency on a Saturday night <laughs> by coming out with just at times complete and utter drivel. He it's it's I'm not being funny. For me, other people might not give a toss about this. Obviously a lot of people don't because WWE is so popular. Mm. It's pivotal to me that these people who give me my wrestling, even though wrestling is fundamentally fake. Are like real human beings. In Excalibur, I've realized since the since the launch of Collision is so quietly crucial to my enjoyment. He can make a joke. He can he's not just a great commentator, he's like a real dude. You know? He's like yeah. the face of it and the voice he's of Dave it. Jones. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. But he's the face of it, he's the voice of it, he's the welcoming. Yeah. And the fact that he seems like a real dude who can be self deprecating or whatever. It's like when he does like the low tragedy voice yeah it stands out because it's so weird that he's doing it because he can't be that fake you know what i mean it's jim ross in the attitude era you've got to be the right measure of real and fake yeah we know what's going on yeah to legitimize the product in front of you because it's wrestling it's always going to be wrestling and it's a particular brand he can't be patronizing it just can't be weird it's gotta be weird in a way that call was weird for a lot of years just weird (laughs) fake and weird kevin kelly just says weird stuff, and it, uh, I just—it's like this frequency of AEW. Just uh, it's wrong. It's wrong. I don't know if I'm articulating this particularly well, but I'm going to get to the finish of this match because it kicked ass. But just very quickly on Kevin Kelly, 
he kept saying, oh, the cheering for Moxley, was it Bizarro World here? Oh, yeah. One. I got even, something on that in a minute. But, even yeah. in context, don't ever use those two words together. No. It's John Moxley in Cincinnati. In Ohio. Yeah. What are you doing? Yep. Is there a feud between Cincy and Cleveland? Probably. But they don't care. It's his home state. Yeah. It's always been, AW's been like hometown guys from the very yeah. beginning. It doesn't, you don't need to do much homework to see that. I and it's like, is he, because he obviously, he's in the BCC, he's a heel, yeah. I think, with Moxley. It's all, it's kind of, it's kind of he's a heel, essentially. Yeah. Um, But heels get cheated. MJF even got cheated in his home. Like, this is I, an I know, I, so I just hate how he's, and another thing on Kevin Kelly, he isn't just doing WWE speak. He isn't just realizing we're a bit more accepting of reality here. Mm. It's fine. It's fine. Usually the crowd plays along with everything we do. So on the few occasions they don't, we don't really panic even. We don't want to humiliate ourselves because if we humiliate ourselves, we'll further distance ourselves from the fan base. So if something like this happens, it's fine. It's easy to heal, but it's in, it's in Ohio. It's yeah. going to happen. So he needs to get told, we'll do things different here. Um, Get some flesh, get some blood. You're not a robot. We're, we're real human beings on this show. He gets things wrong a lot, just Kevin Kelly. It's like he's poorly researched. And I don't want to say that's a trait of his. I understand that his political beliefs, which I happen to disagree with, full disclaimer. I disagree with his politics. That's created a bit of a pylon. Mm. And I think sometimes, right, you can overbury someone if you're prepared to because you disagree with aspects of their life. January the 6th at Chris Jericho's yes. relationship with no favours. Oh, no favours whatsoever. Great point to make. Because I don't want to say that, oh, Kevin Kelly's terrible at research. Like, if you go and watch his New Japan work, obviously the man is very, very good at research. I don't think I'm alone in saying he was really vital to me making that jump. There's loads of context. Finally. Yeah, he's very yeah. important in context. Um, so I'm not saying he's bad at research because I don't like his politics. Yeah. But he's not doing a good job of it here, or he needs to do a bit more because he's getting loads of things wrong. I'm devastated by that. Like I've, I was quite loyal to Kevin Kelly because of how integral I felt. But he's not he been good on Collision, really, has no, he? No, not at all. I like there's a number of faults with his work. I think that yeah. I never ever once felt watching him in New Japan. Yeah, no, he's a different guy. He's a different guy. It's odd to me that because New Japan, um, it, this is not about your tastes in wrestling. Ostensibly, is the realest pro wrestling gets. Yes. Far more real than any North American product ever, but certainly the realist in terms of how you're meant to present these people as sportsmen. Sports, well, not sportswomen in New Japan, but sportsmen. And Kelly was the perfect voice for that, I thought. And when he would get excited and even tiptoe on the verge of being a WWE like voice for hire, you kind of felt like you were supposed to get that excited with him. Yeah. Like, I know not everybody loved, like, the Destino or whatever, but, like, he kind of did pick his spots quite well. Yeah. I felt as a New Japan commentator. It feels fake, yeah. He's not managing that. No, it feels very fake, I don't buy it. I don't buy his register or anything. He's got this weird blend of WWE voice, WWE guy, weird WWE quality, and then with his product knowledge, honestly, it's like Adnan Verk. (laughs) He's got that, he's got that appeal, or the lack of appeal, of the silky voiced WWE commentator who doesn't really know what's going on. And that's no, Kevin Kelly in AEW to me, and it's bizarre. You'd think he would get it, yeah, but he like, doesn't seem to. We like Jimmy Smith on Raw, whatever his name was. Jimmy Smith. I quite like Jimmy Smith. Me too. And he was like, he was an outsider. Yeah. Never once felt out of his depth. Yeah. And Kevin Kelly isn't even an outsider. This is his business. And I feel bad about saying this one final point before I get to the finish of this first match. Jesus Christ, we've been on it a while already. <laughs> is that when he, when something cool happens, I love that. 
It's like, is, is, is it your, your lame dad? Mm. You know what I mean? It's the opposite of Shivani. Yeah. Black Lord Shivani. You know when Shivani would go like, don't be suicidal. It's like you're being in a coma. I love all this. Yeah. Yeah. He's the opposite of that because like, oh, fun Uncle Shivani. Oh, piss off, Kevin. Dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a weird, I don't know. You I've seen your Reddit post. Aye. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> want it to Kevin. be about no, that. No, 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 no. Uh, one more thing before we get to the finish and you got any more thoughts on Kevin Kelly's that kicks ass. So this match is, there's some cool elements to it, but it's mainly the structure I was kind of dreading because I've seen a lot of it. The execution isn't great at points. And then after a really cool last throw the dice to win this title to complete this really cool sequence, Andretti gets Mox's arms and starts stamping on his head. Moxley does like the monkey flip and then twists him around and just bulldog chokes him. So great. Finish kicked ass. That finish was like, Moxley's going to be all right. That was pandemic flavored. That was for me. Yeah. Yeah. Original Moxley world title run finish. I don't like this Moxley character. Mm. And I'm not saying Kevin Kelly was right to say bizarro world, but I think there is some, there's a bit of a, having your cake and eat it creative logjam with John Moxley at the moment that's stopping me feeling whatever the hell it is I'm supposed to be feeling. John Moxley has somehow supposedly broken your heart by ending the Orange Cassidy reign, but in fact, honourably taken the baton on by defending it all the time in hard-fought wins. Yes. I don't like that. I think there's a dissonance there. I think the Blackpool Combat Club are as far apart from him, morally and ethically, as they've ever been. And Danielson at the same time. And they've always had this weird, are they actually all on the same page? Yeah. I know I'll flag this on Dynamite, but it's because John Moxley did this there too. I feel like this is maybe, I don't I don't know, it's always speculation, but we do it about Jericho, so I'm going to do it about Moxley, because he's far more a sacred cow than Chris Jericho these days. Is this John Moxley asking for a match and getting it? And just thinking, well, what the story loses is that I'm class me. It's like, I, I, know, I know that story, John. Yeah. You might need to have a storyline rather than yeah. just the story of John Moxley is the guy. It's just... It's a bit uninspiring, isn't it? It is. And that's impacting I'm not the running matches. through walls for this version of Moxley. No. And you're going to get... Like, you pointed out to me when I was critical of this this morning over the desk. Yeah, but like, fun match next week. And it is. Because like, it's our guy. Big Bill versus Mox has it's got... The, it's the biller. Like, he's, he's getting his match. That's going to be Kenny great. got just bleed potential at. He's going to boot him hard in the face and probably mock one of John Mox's poses in his big bill face, and it's going to be great. Mox With the like, arms. Yeah. Like, the arms. <laughs> Mox might slap, he might the, slap the lolly out of his mouth. Like, there's loads of potential yeah. with this. Mox is like... We'll really, talk about it in the preview, but... Shut up. Who, who is he at the moment, John Moxley, other than, like... Orange Cassidy's run was great, but I'm going to be a better one because I'm John Moxley. All right, Arsenal. Have you not had everything else already? It's weird. It really feels... To, yeah, he's had a lot. That's yeah. the thing. It felt like Mr. Trick to give it to a Swerver or Jay White. Someone who kind of needs and the like, rub. You bastard. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who needs that rub, which the international title became through Cassidy's brilliance. So once to see more Jay White in singles. That's what I need at this point. <laughs> yeah. He's awesome. Um, we get a pre-taped interview after the match with Roderick Strong where they basically use ROH for the power of good for once. They've got a lot of archive footage mm-hmm. and they are able to use stills to just basically illustrate with and just deepen their investment and, and the credibility of the storyline just how long and far back 
Um, Strong's history with Adam Cole goes. So he's changed over that time, especially in AEW with his friendship with MGF. You have Barnaby when I need you the most, and the Kingdom in the background with their their full. <sighs> when they're going like, ah, I can't believe it. It's that full like indignation. Yeah, it's just played perfectly. You know when they fight at the Ring of Honor. Wants his friend back, by the way. That's all. It's, it's no, he's not got a problem with Adam Cole. If anything, he loves him more. The Ring of Honor footage here uh, got me thinking: How buzzed must Kyle O'Reilly feel that if and when he recovers, the door is open for him to walk straight back into a tailor-made story? He must be so relieved that the AEW he left, where oh God, the undisputed elite is kind of terrible, actually. <laughs> It's somehow found its way back. Yeah. And there's more Undisputed Era, Ring of Honor, like, Kingdom stuff that he slots right into. The Kingdom he being... must be so relieved. The Kingdom bet being better than the Undisputed Era in AEW during a time generally that AEW is in steeper creative decline. What? It sure is know, something, uh, isn't it? It sure like, is something. I don't know what it is, but it <laughs> sure is something. Um, so we get a uh, recap of the events between MGF and Joe on Dynamite. Because um, Collision is the grown-up show where things get uh, recapped, which is, you know, five-star action for me. It gives me the feeling that I'm watching the thing that I should have invested <laughs> my hobby in. A recap, that's what I'm all about. Colliders suck, man. <laughs> oh, no. They do. No, I don't. Dip. I get it, man, but it's a, it's a weird thing to just do cartwheels hour. Yeah. I, I. Sorry, I, I'm sorry for, uh, guys, I've just realized. I'm sorry for, like, burying recaps. I just I must have the collision mindset. You know what your problem is? You've got poor collision detection. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm a in kaboomer. This case, in this case, I just yeah. I don't understand. I'm a kaboomer. I just don't understand. Kaboomers don't want don't want detection, which is not having to do detective work because here's three video packages to explain to you this record. Yes. I did like that. I don't hate it. Of course, they should sell the it importance. more character development. I'm just doing a bloody joke. It's all I'm doing. But it's overplayed. Yeah, right to highlight no, I'm, I'm because the, the way that people just crying for the soul of this telecast, it was bollocks. Yeah, like. complete load of bollocks. Um, and it, I would say, right, an inspired bit of matchmaking because you get Chris Dartlander versus Robin Renegade, okay? Mm-hmm. She's with Charlotte Renegade. So you get an incredibly basic glorified squash where, you know, Renegade's in position to take all the best moves. They'll look cool, and mm-hmm. it's gone in the memory as soon as it's finished. But by having her against Robin Renegade, you get Charlotte Renegade in the post-match, which leads to a lovely bait-and-switch involving a returning Jade Cargill. Very smart decision to have her return on collision in an unexpected shocker. A lot of people thought she was done with the company altogether. Yeah. And maybe she's sort of messaged that on Twitter for the sake of the return, all the rest of it. Either way, it positions Collision as a show on which big deals happen, and they happen unexpectedly, so watch it next week in case something like this happens again. So smart to delay this to the Saturday or just to do it on the Saturday. And then because Cargill gets that pop of, I haven't seen you in a while, therefore I'm automatically going to receive you as a baby face, you think she's going to team up with Statlander, but no, she kicks her ass and gives her the jaded. Good to see Jade back. Jade versus Statlander 2 really feels like it's dramatic and quite big. I can't yeah. call it. It's a bold result either way. I'm into that. I like all or nothing drama. That's why I gravitated towards AEW in the first place. But before I get your thoughts on the match and angle, I need to bury this. 
it's one thing to do three concurrent open challenges, which I'll get to, don't worry. Match one, open challenge title match. Match two, um, it's ooh, it's an open challenge title match. <laughs> what? Uh, hang on, I just need to check my watch, and I think it's... Because that is so uninspired. That yeah. is pathetic. At least do it in, like, match one or match four or something. Aye. Like, what you're doing? Unacceptable agent in. The likes of which might not have happened on the old collision. Have we found... You probably weren't going to get that on the almost hyper-focused, details-orientated 30-minute Saturday night main event. You probably wouldn't have got that a few weeks back. This is more dynamite-flavoured than old collision-flavoured. I would argue. God, collision flavoured. There we go. Uh, collision flavoured. Red. So ready salted. <laughs> there you go. Blander. Mm. I love this. Superb. I echo your thoughts about bringing her in to do the babyface stuff first to make sense of the cheers before revealing that she's in fact very much gunning for Chris Statlander. And I liked as well, because I used to bury him a lot for this, I liked that they didn't kind of reveal smart Mark Sterling until she was revealing her. Yes, plan. yes. Like he can't be there when you she's doing the, it. They show the hand quite often. And this is making sense to me of, like, I think Jade will lose this challenge against Chris Statlander. But that'll be the point where you're reminded that Smart Mark Sterling set her up to lose in the first place. She wouldn't have lost the belt if Smart Mark Sterling wasn't running his mouth saying, yeah, she'll fight take somebody on else. This is a short-term reunion. Yeah. And I think when she loses Statlander, she'll realise Smart Mark's bad for business. Or they could just forget about it like they did with Hobbs and QTV. Whatever you need, I yeah. guess. But like the she shakes hands with Chris Statlander, you have mutual respect. On you go with Jade Cargill as a baby face. And this is kind of like the end of her run as a not that she was always a heel, she was a bit of a tweener, wasn't she? But like the yeah. I think after she loses to Chris Statlander, two losses in a row has made her realise I need to like focus on being the best me again. Baby face too. Let's just square this now, because I can't remember if I've written it on my notes. Um because FTR later in this programme. Mm-hmm. Also, I can't believe they're doing this three times. I, and I, in fact, I can because I've, I've lived through enough of wrestling expanding and then eating itself. FTR, after John Moxley, after Orange Cassidy, but now it's concurrent. Moxley, Statlander, and FTR. At least Mox is sort of babyface adjacent. Maybe it doesn't make that much sense in the character, but he's not like a cowardly, sniveling heel. But for the exact same reasons, Statlander and FTR... They were the second and third act on AEW doing this have implemented an open challenge because to prove that we're the best or I'm the best, we need competition. We welcome competition. That'll help our legacy. And then it'll help <laughs> us, you know, cement the fact that we're the best, we're the fighting as champions, we're the absolute best. We're the best guys, we're FTR. We're the best. Mm-hmm. And next week they'll fight um Iron Savages. Because Iron sharpens iron, Siege. Yeah, you know nothing about his business. They've got iron in their name. Everyone, or Iron Man, the bread half. Every cynical fan said the same thing when Rampage happened, and now Collision has happened. What tends to happen? And yes, you could argue that it was a little bit different, but you know what tends to happen. And this is happening before Punker left. Realistically, it was already all right. Okay, that was a nice seven weeks, six weeks. Yeah is that when a wrestling company gets more hours of TV, it's very literally the case. You get more of that wrestling company on television, and it just gets a little bit content farmy and a bit much, and a bit normalized, and you just get the same ideas for another two hours, Mm. and this is almost hysterically true. 
you are getting the same ideas for an additional two hours. Bring back the freaking rankings because three concurrent open challenge things on TV is boring. It allows you to do anyone versus anyone. Who cares? FTR versus literally anyone we've given ourselves a right out. Doesn't matter if they're credible. Doesn't matter if they're stars. Doesn't matter if the match is going to be fantastic. Doesn't matter if this match feels big. Doesn't matter if they can do this and they can see them seven months on. Oh, Rampage. Oh, I thought whatever happened to them. All right, well, they're like a Rampage in seven months' time. It indulges their worst possible habits, this open challenge, which is that different to Eliminators? No. It's the exact same friggin' thing. Basically, from going to these carefully produced, written, booked, plotted matches, and you got fixtures, but, you know, we're now arriving at anyone can just fight anyone. These titles used to mean so much. And I'm not saying FTRs don't because they've had a hell of a reign, but I do not need this in my life. And did you see the Iron Savages promo? Yeah. but this It was a, poor, I thought. It was poor, but then they, it, there was a sort of uprising around the Iron Savages because of a couple of good performances on Collision. So I think there's been some... Um, a bit lead, of a meritocracy. A little bit. A bit of leeway shown to them specifically because of them kind of... Like, I hadn't seen them for ages. Um, I forget the week. I think I think you were on holiday, and I was talking with Murray about this. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, like, converted from being the Bear Country to the Iron Savages. When they were eating ass, it was funny. Yeah. And I've enjoyed some of Bear Country's matches before. I and really I think, have. I think that's it. Um, I, the, on that, like, not on the Iron Savages. That, the match will be what, it, what it'll be. This thing about the open challenges feels like someone, and I don't even think it's a person, right, it's, it's a macro. Set up a robot to do the job of taking one of them Tony Khan spreadsheets, of which we know he uses several, and just enter in when you've used one of these devices and block the keyboard from pressing enter when you've typed tournament. And it says none of the blocks on you can't use tournament for three months, six months. A voice that was once universally respected and is no longer because of the grift, you say could repeat the idea every seven years. That is obviously now redundant in the era of content super yeah. service obviously um but six months to a year is not unreasonable well, jim c yeah that's a little obvious <laughs> <laughs> let's call him jay cotton too. the tennis racket guy there we yeah. go andy murray not even our andy murray the idea of now seven years is preposterous unfortunately but let's say a year right remember when we were picking up hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On this exact problem, but for too many pointless stables and gauntlets. gauntlets. There's never not been a thing in AW that you're getting too much of. Bobby Fish. <laughs> gauntlets. Eliminators. Battle Royals. Bobby Fish. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Is there a third B? Bobby Fish, Battle Royals, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. yeah. Big Bang Theory. Bobby Fish. <laughs> but there's always there's been... Beats Bobby, Bobby Fish. Fish. There's always been a minimum Commander. of two or three. Commander, right? Right now, I feel like it's open... Jay Lethal last year. Yeah. He's, he's doing jobs out the ass every single week. Open challenges... Battle Royals, that Battle Royal graphic that somebody posted on Twitter was disgraceful. Oh, God, I know. Seven, I think. Aye. Possibly more. It might have been two tweets, but disgraceful. Um, Battle Royals, open challenges, and tournaments that people have kind of unpicked and made it clear that... I didn't even pick on this And I, on the Dynamite review. You're like, where was so-and-so? Where was so-and-so? And why were these four losers in it? Oh, yeah. Great yeah. point, Sage. Like, tournaments that don't make sense, Battle Royals and open challenges. Too many of them, to the point where it's become a punchline. Set up a macro in one of the spreadsheets. And Tony Khan goes to type, oh, I know what will fix this tournament. Uh-uh. Like the Jurassic Park. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. And like only Will Washington's got the password. And yeah. you won't give him it. And it's like, why can't I do that? Because you've just done it, Tony. Like you're allowed to do it next January. Treat yourself. Next yeah. January comes along. Tournament. It's like, ding, you're allowed. Because like we've determined that this is the right amount of time. It needs to be as simple as a robot saying no. Yeah. Computer says no. Because it just cannot be. Like it cannot be the promotion that encourages fans to care deeply for the details, for the continuity, for the things making sense from week to week to month to month that you have this many reoccurring tropes. Yeah. It cannot be. Like, I don't even think it can be that in WWE. And how thick does WWE allow you to be watching the show? How many recaps? How many things do you get? Do you remember when they first started teasing tension in the Judgment Day and people made the joke like, well, Triple H has seen that you make all the money by breaking up stables, so I yeah. guess we're breaking up another stable. And he kind of didn't. He used it to obscure the fact that they were going to win the belts and delay it. And it was like, that was one. And that's freaking WWE. I know. The standards are supposed to be different. I know. Like. I know. Anyway, we get um, a backstage interview with Soraya and Ruby Soho. Soho's upset with Tony Storm, but Soraya's like, I oh, know, I'll probably be fine. I'll probably be fine. And guess what? We're going to return to Arthur Ashe Stadium, the site of my debut, and I'm going to successfully defend this title. And you think, a year of that women's division. Mm-hmm. Some mistakes have been made. Yes. A lot of mistakes have been made, and maybe they didn't have to be. Uh, we get the sit-down interview on the subject of Arthur Ash uh, with Claudio Castagnolia and uh, Eddie Kingston. <laughs> um, <laughs> Castagnolia, he's playing the aloof. Castagnolia's night. He's, he's playing the aloof um, super athlete above it all. Yeah. And Kingston isn't furious because the time to be furious is like on the go-home show. So he's basically saying, you know what, you know, you know what you're doing. You refused to have a match with me before you went to make it. And I've never forgotten that because he didn't do business with me when he should have had that match. And Castagnoli says, um, what does he say where Kingston's like, oh, it's because you, know, you, you will say you respect me. It's playing off that Chikara history. Yeah. 
you'll say you respect me when I beat you. It's like, no, you do remember, you do remember. I thought this was nice. Again, maybe this is the collision mentality, the mindset, and how it's no longer on collision. Because you'd like to think, like, can we not have them sitting down? Can we not have them, right? Sitting down, one of them going first, or one of them waiting for the other to sit down. Kingston silently seething that he's not turned up on time. Mm. Or rather, Castagnoli making some pithy remark about how, oh, see, he's being unprofessional again. Yeah, We've got a media duty with Tony Shivani, and he can't even get on time for that. What kind of champion Stuck is in this? traffic in his rust bucket car. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Can we not have the tension build? Can we not? I want to I see them sit down on the chair. You could have a lot of body language that tells a story. And Kingston in particular is clever enough to do this, where he can tell a story by the way in which he sits down, or how long it takes him to sit down. But it's just, they're sitting down. Here's some chat. Into the ring. You know what I mean? Like, they can yeah. get loads out of these little things. Maybe it needs more of the collision mindset. Uh, <laughs> I uh, thought this was okay. I, I know I've been a bit of a low guy in this feed, but I will give them this. I think it was cool, and we'll see if it works. It was cool to just say it. Like, it's both belts, Grand Slam. Like, can flog any tickets? Let's find out. What's this match got as a value? Oh, Christ. Either. That's I'll what ha- that was the gist? Yeah. I'll Kingston was be. like, right, we've announced the match. Let's go and sell some tickets. Yeah. If this he's going to do a co- He's going to do a promo. That's going to be incredible. That should shift a couple of hundred. I'm not being shocking, but this advance is terrible. If Eddie Kingston isn't given a microphone to sell this match next week on Dynamite, things have gone badly wrong in this promotion. I tell you, I didn't love this. I kind of thought they were taking the piss a bit. We both have incredibly fond memories of nothing else around this time other than when John Moxley dared to mention Ruthie and Kingston got in his face and you yes. were scared. That was some of the most electrifying promo work I think I've ever seen in pro wrestling, full stop. Yeah. That felt as real Kingston as it Kingston looked so wound up. How dare you? How in dare you? When, like, he couldn't, when he put his back to Mox. Yeah. This camera... This, Camera pointing at me is the only thing getting in the way of me shoot murdering you in this ring yes. on this TV show. This felt like a bit of a tribute to that. And my parents would be your parents would be prouder than me, if anything, when we were a team. And you've explained that. You've reviewed that in a way that I hadn't thought about this time because I was all ready to come in. Oh, I've got Sidgwick. It's taken four years of AW and I finally cornered him. And already you've kind of reviewed your way out of the corner. But I was gonna ask you, like, Sidge, what's Doing business before going off over there actually mean in the kayfabe rivalry between Eddie well, Kingston. And you've framed it as not having a fight with me versus not doing the J-O-B. Was, because that was, was what... They didn't felt. have the fight. They yeah. never had the match. And that was what felt like it was implied. You, was, you were supposed to lose to no, me. No, I had to have this second... All right, okay. Yeah. Because if you are aware of wrestling and the fact that it's fake, <laughs> but not aware of Chikara Law, you'd be absolutely forgiven for thinking... So he just said that he didn't lay down for us, but it's because they didn't have the match full stop because yeah. Cloudy went straight to um, I kinda, FC Dub. I went beyond FC that. FC Dub or NXT, whichever. It was, yeah, I went beyond that to say, oh, you were going to lay down for him, but you left first. And like I took that to mean more about the loss than about the match. But I They will, never had the match. I will give the benefit of the doubt to it being about the match rather than about... Yeah, just when he said, match. do business, I was like, well, I know what that phrase means in rest yes, of the parlance. maybe it could have been a bit more clear, yeah. but they never had the match. You should like Maybe if he said he should have ran away from the fight. Yeah and tether it to reality, because that felt like a weird diver- like diversion from the hatred. I think they're trying to make it real. I'll accept that. But I wish I'd just said, we were meant to have a match. 
You were meant to have one more match on the Indies before you went away to give me the shot to see if I could have won. And then yeah. you'd make it fiction again. Because no, that was the same as the Jericho finish at Blood and Guts. Like, Claudio's taking things away from Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Even when they were supposed to be on the same team. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm with you, I'm with you. Uh, in what was originally scheduled to be an eight-man tag, but um, as Tony Khan revealed, Jay White missed the show for personal reasons. The Guns and Juice Robinson defeat Aerostar, Gravity, and Diostel Indramundo, who was Drago from Lucha Underground. Mm. Um, back and forth, some of it looks good, some of it doesn't. And then it ends. Is that too reductive? The graphic was designed to make you think, well, I have to sit and watch this. Yes. If I only know half the guys, I have to tune in for this. This was pretty drab. Yeah, Inframundo's mask is pretty incredible. Yeah. This is pretty drab. Honestly, the only thing, I watched this across Saturday morning and Sunday night. A few memories of this is Arrow started some cool stuff on the bottom rope, Mm -hmm. even if it, like, to come off, even if it didn't always look good. Nigel McGuinness thought Gravity was a completely different person. Yeah. He thought Gravity was a completely different person and then said, oh, when he tries to correct himself and he just makes him, digs a deeper hole, he said, that's the benefit of wearing a mask is that sometimes people will get confused about who you are. So no, everyone did that. I knew that was Gravity, mate. It's not twin magic and they've got different colours. Colour, you should have <laughs> shut up. Sometimes wrestling commentators just need to shut up or own their mistake and not scramble. I know their instincts are to scramble and they're trained. Are we in a glass house saying that as podcasters? I don't care. The commentators come for us. Oh, he's probably paid more than I am. <laughs> um, now, eight by tens on the desk. If you don't know, yeah, like we, I know what gravity is. Jim Ross, gravity's been on collision yeah. and dynamite. Um, anyway, so I'll tell you one thing: Robinson continues to be goaded, and he continues to cook. What was it that he kept screaming? I hate Lucha Libre. I hate Lucha Libre. As they came back from commercial, and he was wearing them down. <laughs> I hate Lucha Libre, so that was good. Um, Andrade El Ilo was seen watching backstage, despite... No, he beat Buddy Matthews. I was going to be a bit of a, a pedantic bitch there. He beat Buddy Matthews. Um, so he's got new business, I guess, to scout, and maybe he can recruit them <laughs> again. Um, Robinson um, pins Inframundo with his DDT in a match that just went a bit back and forth. Some of it looked good. Juice Robinson, with not just telling you, but showing you that he was like, oh, is he going to get embarrassed by these sort of lower-tier luchador guys? That was my, the extent of my enjoyment. It's the saddest bit of the show for me, because amidst all the chaos... It should have been way more compelling than this. Yeah. Amidst all the chaos within AEW internally over the last... For right and wrong reasons. For, like, last six, seven weeks, like, Bullet Club Gold have been the most consistent act, and I haven't, they haven't just, like, survived the chaos of the backstage drama and the ups and downs of all these different characters that they've had to bounce off. They've sort of thrived. They've looked. They've been able to use the reality to, like, make their kayfabe argument. We're the strongest group. We're winning big matches. We're entertaining people. We're really fun. And this was none of the above other than the victory. Aye. And, like, I, I was kind of gutted that this was such a setback. I'm not sure how. Like, Especially when this was very much linked, I think, to the acclaimed. Yeah, I think so. I just or FTR, I don't know. Either way, like, either way, they've got a title match coming. Well, either way, the eight man was supposed to present this image of a really hot act that are just putting it all together and a cruiserweight like 
union so wacky you kind of have to look yeah and the bullet club gold didn't feel all that together no and the cruiserweights uh, sorry the cruiserweights the lucha libra guys weren't that entertaining yeah and it, it missed missed every mark i missed every mark i missed every mark in the latest of i think i'm going to bury this before it happens because i think i know which way it's going and i hope that they subvert it even if they subvert what i think is going to happen yeah it would just be easier if i tell you what i think is going to happen we got a pre-tape interview, and it's CJ Perry going on about Miro and his sacrifice. He says, you're stubborn for not accepting my help at all out. Um, I understand that you want gold. I want it too. And she basically teases that she's going to be a manager because she used to be the coldest manager in the game. Right. Is it wrong for me to say that I think that they are going to subvert the worst of Miro's WWE run and have CJ Perry go and manage someone, anyone, whether it's Hobbs or maybe Archer or someone with whom Miro could feud. Sort of tease the idea that she's going to cheat on Miro and then subvert it and then Miro and Perry get together. Oh, I, I hope not because I love this. I didn't, I wouldn't have expected. Because that would be AEW taking the piss out of a 2019 WWE storyline yeah. when 2023 WWE is kicking their ass and it looks so petty. Maybe I'm completely off base, but I feel like CJ Perry's going to man- manage somebody else. I, and I then, think it's going to be a lot more heartfelt than this. I think, think they're so? both going to try and make their respective visions work, which is CJ Perry, well. You don't want me. Like, I'll show you, like, what you're missing out on and just try and do a very good job as someone's manager. Miro is going to try and continue on this path because he believes it's God and everyone else has forsaken him. And they're both going to realise along... It's a Savage and Liz for this generation, just slightly more warped. They're both going to realise that they're best with each other and you're going to get a really lovely... I don't know what the WrestleMania 7 match is that gets us there, but you're going to get some really lovely WrestleMania 7 reunion when everybody's willing them back together. No, I think that's what's going to happen. But, but I, don't I don't think it's going to be over gonna... like chicanery and ugliness. I think it's going to be her trying. All like, right. Like, I don't know who the man is, and that's what makes it difficult. There's got to be a, you've got to pick the right guy. Maybe it is Hobbs because he was, like, people were really rooting for that, like, handshake yeah. to be the start of something. Maybe that handshake meant something. Yeah. Maybe they could be a, a threesome. It's never been done, has it? Like, if we had a, like, a kind of... But, like, <laughs> there you go, on. Sexually charged thruple in pro wrestling. Oh, go for it. Have we had one yet? It's better than an open challenge. <laughs> um, Imagine that on the spreadsheet. Right, Tony, no more thruples. Yeah, yeah. You've done that too yeah, much yeah, yeah. now. Like, the trio's champions, like, they're, they're fighting for the belts, then they're having sex on top of them. We say that, but you get a dark order kind of a commercial and a righteous one on the same show, don't we? Yep, yeah, right, okay, put the macro back in place. Yeah, no more thruples now. Yeah, yeah and it's like, all right, you've got two supernatural-ish stable, two Derek, Derek stables with a vignette. So, so they've you, gone from being the Dark Order back to the Derek Order. Yeah, they've gone from the Dark Order, the Derek Order, because they have like this kind of a throwback to the Scientology-adjacent video pre- presentation mm-hmm. where they are the smiling face of evil hiding in plain sight. Their name's a Dark Order. So why... <laughs> So why do you have to smile? You know what I mean? Why do the whole smiling? Why not the bad guys? But where are the bad guys? Yeah. You should be called, like, the nice guys. The, <laughs> the light order. You, know, you call the dark order. Like, yeah, you call the dark order. It's always stupid. This is always so stupid. <laughs> One of the guys is in a mask. And uh, 
He's trouble. One of these guys looks like they were. His name like, is evil. His name is evil. His name is evil. Dark evil. Oh god, I don't want to join his uh, organization. <sighs> the close ups uh, the close ups of the sh- eating grin smiles. Yeah. The very insincere, like shiny corporate America faces are quite funny. Is like this... the one with Evil Uno smiling yeah. on the mask somehow just got us. Have they nailed in this presentation the way to service the very two different fan bases as relates to the Dark Order? There are people that love them dearly and feel that they are, along with a few of the wrestlers, like the heart and soul of this bloody promotion. And therefore, you've got to protect the Dark Order. Any more disdain you want to put behind that? If I could, I would. I can't. It's late on a Monday, but I would summon more if I could because I feel it deep in my guts. Like, there are people that like want to fight the world, run through walls, as we would say, for the Dark Order, right? And then there are people that use the Dark Order as shorthand for a hangman page was so buried, he was nearly facing the Dark Order. Yeah. Like, has this brought those two together? Because there's almost a knowing cheesiness to this these expressions that you can be like, oh, these absolute losers. But then you also go, yeah, I kind of want to watch these absolute yeah. losers. I feel like they might have circled the square with the Dark Order here. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll absolutely see. The acclaimed are having a world tour which is um, with all but one day is taking place in North America. <laughs> they love the world. Yeah. Well, the best in the world of baseball. They won them in the UK, I suppose. So in their mind, that's like... We are the best in the world at American football. <laughs> cool, no one else plays it. Uh, Ray Phoenix defeats Angelico in a very brief match. Inset promo, Phoenix says he wants revenge for Moxley, so that's going to be a match at some point. And, um, this <laughs> and you have no problems with that. <laughs> well, I don't because I like this as a fixture. The match did nothing for me. Yeah, Phoenix does that really cool arm drag into a double foot stomp, and Helico gets a tiny bit. It's like a fixture. This is Phoenix winning a match. Well, I've got a problem with it now that I've thought about it. Phoenix winning a match to strengthen his case to run to a sign up sheet and get an international title. Get an international title shot. Having the same... This is uh, this is inessential. Having the same or better record than his tag team partner, Penta, who was entered into a tournament for the world title. Yes. On the same show. Yes. Jesus Christ. We get Shivani. This is with backstage. This is about the talk about the Open Challenge. I don't want to bury them because, you know, they're not that experienced on TV. They're just trying to think of something to get over. But the Iron Savage's rebuttal, was it actually on Collision or was it on a social media? Social media, I think. They're, right, they're trying to do the Outrunners slash Butcher and Blade thing, Mm -hmm. where they're doing a knowing pastiche of jacked 80s wrestlers who speak in the cliches, tell them, and then the next person talks. The Butcher and the Blade have done it. The Outrunners have done it. This feels like you're doing someone's bit about someone's bit about 1988 Survivor Series. Tell him, Blade. Tell him, Turb. Tell him, Tell him, Hawk. Tell him, try. Tell him, one of the Iron Savages. <laughs> and it's not as funny. No. And it's not as funny. Um, so basically, it just feels... like It defines derivative in terms of how many derivations mm. there have been of this one already this year. It's your point as well. I think you made a great case for... It's not AEW intentionally kind of... They're not trying to bury the indies by any means. But if there's a really good version of a thing making waves, AEW will like chuck them on telly and give them a go. Yes. And then you have that 
and you decide if you like the taste of it or not, and then it goes away. And this has been happening since like 2020 when like Cody was putting the belt up against Warhorse. Yeah. I'll give that a go, yeah. I suppose. Didn't take on to the next one. Like some memes transcend the meme and become part of the roster. Some of the meme for the week and you have a lot of fun with it and then it's gone again. And then you kind of can't do that again. Aye. And it's the only real place for those acts is GCW or wherever they can get the most money for their act because AEW is, if you're an AEW fan, you've seen it and you've yeah. lived it and you don't need it anymore. Yeah. Choose them up and spits those acts out much quicker than it used to. It does. It does, definitely. Um, next up, it's Roderick Strong defeating Darby Allen to advance to the finals of the uh, Grand, Slam, Grand Slam Eliminator Tournament. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, we get some stuff on the outside with Darby Allen and Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus and Christian Cage, which eventually informs the finish because it's just too much chicanery for Darby Allen to withstand before Roderick Strong puts him out on quite literally his back. The general story here is that this is a mauling. This is very gruesome in the most sort of, I want to say understated, but like minimalist of ways where the ring is a weapon. Roderick Strong's knee is a weapon. It's violent, but in a way that isn't like gratuitous. It just feeds into the story and the actual Mm. execution of physical work here. is just so effective in my opinion. Um, the best spot, the one you'll have seen if you've not even seen Collision, sees um, Roderick Strong sort of use the top turnbuckle to break Darby Allen's back. Oh, gosh. Darby Allen bumps off the top turnbuckle, hits his back on the apron, and then just falls on his face. Ugh. We get, like, gut busters, like an assortment of vile back-first moves. And then this match elegantly reaches a point where the only time... And usually, this is very stupid, and there are certain wrestlers in WWE who do this as their stock and trade when they're injured. But there's the move that, I have to do this, even though it's going to hurt me, because it might hurt them as well. The best possible version of that, where the only time Darby snuffs out an advantage is when he does a stun dog millionaire, but it has to do it on the apron. Yeah. So he has to do it on his coccyx, but the way it's laid out just makes all the sense in the world. Eventually, strong wins with the end of heartache, but... This was viscerally uncomfortable. And I think if he's overstated, if Darby Allen has overstated how much his back was knackered after all in, what a masterstroke this is. I love this. And if he hasn't overstated. If, no, I mean, if he has No, if he has. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think he, like, this has all been obviously in service to that story. Um, I absolutely love this. Nick the, Wayne on the outside was tremendous as well. Yeah. The, like, like Nick, come on, come on, urging him. And the on. Nick Wayne... Like I think they're clawing back some like some credibility with this AR Fox stuff as well. Gradually, from what a disaster it was when he was baby faced just before All In because of the inconvenience of the visa issues, was it? Yeah, I think they're getting this back on track. I think they understand that there's a real like people love Darby Allen. You talk like I, I joked about it as relates to Dark Order. Darby Allen is what people say about the Dark Order as relates to AEW. So there is such an embedded love for Darby Allen that there is a sort of secondary level of that love for the people that Darby Allen associates with. Yeah. Sting's a different level entirely, but AR Fox and Nick Wayne are these people that are in Darby Allen's inner circle, and thus how they relate to that character matters too, which is really helpful when you're spinning off against the likes of Christian Cage and Luchasaurus, and why that doesn't just feel like TNT title fluff. That's why it feels quite significant, I think. And it's, it's, to me, like Darby Allen's like the emotional core of all of that. And yeah. what they're hoping is they can use some of that to rub off on Nick Wayne and AR Fox yeah. in this story. The match, like, I don't think this could have been any better 
if it tried, like whatever the ceiling was for this, I do think they hit it. It's you're a Kirby guy, aren't you? On the Switch Kirby in the Forgotten Land, yes. You know that little room you go in when you test your weapons out on that like ball of fluff or whatever it is, yeah. or a sock, like, and then it just regenerates and it re- and you can just keep doing it. It's something very satisfying because when you're fighting the actual baddies that fight back, it's hard to see the weapons as beautifully. It's hard sometimes to get the opportunity to see Roderick Strong's various heinous moves, his backbreaker assaults, the way he uses the environment. Yeah. And Darby Allen afforded all of them and gave you the briefest of comebacks. So I felt like you got the best of both worlds. You wanted the rainbow beautiful version of Roderick Strong's ugliness. And then you still wanted the baby face to try and yeah. fight back. He is a coffin drop onto Strong. Oh. Where we talk a lot about when to do things. Mm-hmm. It's like that flicker of hope. He knows the perfect time to take the risk. Yeah. It's like, I, I have to do this now. He's such a good storyteller. Like he knows the when to do things. Darby's up there with the best of them. It, that's why I loved, I know I did understand, you know, I know you weren't as big on some of the dramatics of it, but it's why I loved the pivot from the coffin drop, their mid-ring promo. Sorry, Nick Wayne, I'm going to have to beat your head half to death. Yeah. That's why I quite like that, because it felt like that was Darby Allen making a choice in character yeah, and then briefly kind of betraying his values to get the win. Yeah. And this was him. That's that same sort of like Darby Allen options menu for me here. It's like, I'm going to do this. This might work. Yeah. And I, like my I risk, have my to risk factor goes beyond anybody else's yeah. and this is to my benefit and I still can't get it done. Like, yeah. I think that's why the character works so well. Such a good stunt, man. And that sells him short as well. Um, Hobbs says that the Miro chapter of the Book of Hobbs um, is unfinished. Then go backstage with Keith Lee, interviewed by Lexi Nair, just basically saying, I've got one bit of advice for any opponent of mine, and that is to run. Uh, get a video package of the righteous. Okay. <laughs> uh, Tony Schiavone welcomes Brian Danielson. Um, Danielson cuts a promo. He says, like, look, a long time ago, I said to my six-year-old daughter, well, not that long ago, uh, I told my six-year-old daughter, I'm going to wrap this up um, when you turn seven, but I'm not going to go quietly into the night. I'm going to kick everyone's head in. And I'm going to be ready for the most epic year of my career. Well, preemptive. Oh, my God. Please. Uh, it's going to be great if he wrestles Luther. But, uh, you know, it's still going to be, like, <laughs> amazing either way. Let's just not frig around. Frigging around has been one of the definitive things about AEW. Mm. You frig around, you don't do CM Punk Danielson. You frig around, you don't do Cody Rhodes doing anything with Sting or with CM Punk. You frig around, and you don't do MJF and Omega or Omega and Darby Allen. And you're freaking around for so long, and you're thinking, why? I know why they did it originally. We need to save loads of matches for when we get a TV rights deal. We don't want to do rematches and 50-50 booking. But my God, by the time they might realize, we might just have to start doing bigger matches. These guys aren't the stars they once were. Like, look at Moxley. And there's rematches on pay-per-use all the time now. I know. So you've even pulled that plaster off. Aye. Was there four all in? Just bye. Like, that's enough. To say that you do that now. Yeah. It's not policy anymore. So that can't be rationale for not yeah. just delivering the big matches first time out. Absolutely. You said it yourself, Swerve and Page. That's what they do. Probably be on Grand Slam and they'll rematch the stip it up for yeah. gear. That's where we're at now. That's how it works, right. isn't it? Like, yeah. So he says, look, I'm going to make a challenge for Wrestle Dream. It is going to be epic. It's going to start with that. Um, Zack Sabre Jr., everyone says you're the best technical wrestler in the world. That's friggin' prove it. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Wrestle Dream perfectly. It's like, even if that's the only New Japan leading match, then you've justified calling it that in tr- like paying tribute it's to the main event if you want it for that card. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This draws out Starks and Big Bill. Um, Ricky Starks again does this kind of I'm being booked funny 
that I kind of, that just repels me a little bit about his act. I think he's an 8 out of 10 who could be one of the best 10s if he just dropped certain bollocks from his act, Ricky Starks. And what is this? Like, is, is, he, shooting, is he shooting himself into a work and is going to stay? Or is he working himself into a shoot and is talking up his own exit and they're giving him the best possible flight path? I don't know. Like, I don't know what, what he's doing. We, Like, this is the real war of 2024. I don't know what I'm supposed to think about Ricky Stark's immediate future. All I know is that what I'm seeing on screen sometimes doesn't make sense. You got beat, but he's like saying other things like I deserve more. Or, but he just got beat. Mm. It's fiction. Like work within the, the, the confines of fiction and be clever about it rather than saying I'm class. I just haven't been booked as a main event talent, which has basically been his entire pro- promo game for all of 2023 thus far. Anyway... Um, Danielson says, like, look, you're amazing. Don't know what you're complaining about. Mm. You're class. And we said a long time ago, look, if you bleed with us, you earn our respect. I bled with you on Sunday. Kind of intimates, you know, you can join the BCC if you want. Starks, I don't know if it's a bait and switch or if Big Bill just makes the decision for him, but Starks is about to shake Danielson's hand. Um, Big Bill beats up Danielson when the handshake's about to happen. This summons Moxley, but he gets overwhelmed because Big Bill's massive. And then, like, within 10 seconds, the, the match graphic's ready. <laughs> yeah. Within, well, within the in the headset deals. 10 yeah. seconds, they've made up a match graphic for this. I liked a lot of the overlapping here. I want to believe, total fantasy booking, I want to believe this is the beginning of the end of Danielson and John Moxley as BCC. And I reckon BCC. he might put over Moxley in his last full-time match now. He, he loves yeah. John Moxley. He does. There's something magic there that never got finished because Regal put them both together. Um, as great as it was, it still never got finished, did it? Yeah. Like you're better together than apart. I've loved Big Bill and Brian interacting in this far superior version of their original. Feels nice. Feels warm. Big Bill got his life back on track and Brian got to where he needed to be as a, as a wrestler. Yeah. He was one month back from retirement, and it was like he's fighting big cast and this thing that just made no sense to anybody. This is the right version of a thing that was all wrong once upon a time, and I love that. Five years, hell of a long time in the business. long time in the business. I think it's interesting offering Starks That's a place. Lifetime. And Starks potentially accepting. I couldn't see Starks joining a BCC with Brian. I could see Starks liking the idea of Wheelie Uter and Claudio Castagnoli. All right, Moxley yeah. was the one to make the save here, not the rest of the guys. Yeah. I want to believe there's a divide forming because there are clearly two baby faces and two heels in this group. There are. Clearly. Clearly. It's weird. BCC's yeah. always been weird. Good, weird, and sometimes bad. You think it's a, a good fighting table? It's actually piss. It's actually piss. Uh, main event time. Um, it's some oh, more God, Joe. Uh, no compete's going to be up soon, isn't it? He's getting his face all over bloody television again, isn't he? Like, wasn't there like a 12-month thing where it's like, you can't be a TV. You can't be on TV, yeah. He's going to be coming back soon, isn't he? I reckon he'll take over Adam Pearce. Because it's, it's weird because he's at, he's on Mondays and Fridays, but he's not on Wednesday. But that's where his son is. Mm. That's why he went back. Like, I, you know, I don't make the rules, Jeff. Problem with you, Adam. Is, uh, you think you're a big-time Charlie. I've got a big-time Charlie right here. Charlie Dempsey, in fact. I think it's big-time. I don't really check out Wednesdays. I'm more <laughs> of a Mondays and Fridays guy, even though I said I was going back for Wednesdays. There's one thing that we can say. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a day in the weekend, and why? What's your problem? You call me a snake. <laughs> so I hate snakes. I tell you that. I've always been more fun. I prefer an iguana. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flan of animals. It's a flan. It's a flan animal. It's a flan animal. It's a flan animal. If anything, didn't Gervais have that as well? I think he might have done. Yes. Animals is like funny drawings. Yeah. Office money. And now he's going. Go back to that, Ricky, if anything. It must have done well. No. <laughs> it must have done well. Oh, yeah. 
I think there needs to be a few more average wrestlers. Uh, about it was more than more my idea. That was why I was seen as one of the best. Yeah. Speaking of which, it's my son Charlie Dempsey. Here's Charlie Dempsey. <laughs> <laughs> Move your best left foot forward, son. Uh, we get an AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament semi final. Samoa Joe defeats Penta El Zero Miedo to advance. And here's my recollection of the match. Maybe I'm being reductive. Maybe I'm realizing it's kind of the end of the workday, so I need to wrap this up. And maybe that's informing me being reductive. Didn't think this is all great. Last two minutes were great. Mm. I remember two things from this match Penta. Seemed to take Joe to the corner and do like leaping kicks to his head about fourteen different times. Oh, it's the new Sierra Meadow. He kept going back and back, and I was like, "You doing anything else, lad?" Yeah. Then it is pretty good finish where Joe does the nope spot when Penta's doing a flip dive to the outside of the table. Yeah, and you know I'm gonna press the button. Oh my god. Because that was great. Breaks up the monotony from those corner kicks. Who could have come up with the idea that what you want to do is subvert the note spot and have it happen on the floor instead? What in-ring genius might have highlighted that it's better magnifying it that way? Yes. And then, was the same agent on the bloody job as the opener because we're getting another spin? <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> so, they love finding something they like and then just doing it yeah. all of the time. It's the Pringles can promotion. Because they get a Pringle, and it's called Bobby Fish, and they can't, and the pop Bobby Fish, and they can't stop, so they keep eating Bobby <laughs> Once Fish. Once you get a pop, you can't stop. Yeah, yeah, they eat Bobby Fish and eat pop Bobby Fish, and then they get. Oh, this is a nice flavor. What's this? Uh, Battle Royal. Well, once you pop, you can't stop. So they do a Battle Royal every single week. It seems like, and then they do. Remember, they love belt shots. Mm-hmm. Belt mm-hmm. shots. Yep. Oh, can't stop the pop. So they eat the can of Pringles, and now... Interruptions. In promo interruptions, Bobby Fish, Commander, open challenges. Your friend interfering on your behalf to lead to a post-match brawl between the two sides. Yes, and now getting spun into a submission. Maybe Jerry Lynn's had this idea, Mm -hmm. and Tony Khan's like, I love it, I'll have 100. (laughs) Over the next four weeks of television, thanks, Jerry. Ooh, spin thing into a submission finish. Um, um, once I pop, I can't stop. Crisp dust everywhere. Yeah. It's crisp dust. Yes. That's all. Shut up, man. Do the thing. Do you uh, give your thoughts on the match? Uh, too long. Bit I, drab, wasn't it? Bit, right. Thing is, Samoa Joe. drab, good finish. We, I think there is a need for consistency with analysis of Samoa Joe in AEW. He wasn't given a lot of stuff to really sink his teeth into creatively when he arrived. King of Television's good fun, but that was all it really was. There was a lot of matches that were kind of dying on the vine. Yeah. Joe, there was, it was more like everybody was referencing how pinky was looking the long, when he went over five minutes, all that kind of... Let's not forget that, just because the last couple of months have been really hot, right? Yeah. But it, the last couple of months have been really hot, and he has had creative to sink his teeth into. He was having fun with the punk stuff when the punk stuff didn't feel like the central focus of CM Punk's life. Like how fun was it when Joe appeared from the crowd and attacked CM Punk? I was like, oh my God, this is what you want out of Smojo. Yeah. Short, sharp shocks of violence leading to a cool match. Then you've got this MJF thing where he's like, you know when Shawn Michaels found his smile and he was able to like kiss and hug all the girlies again and wrestle. Yeah. When Smojo finds his smile, that's when things get nasty. Yeah. And Smojo's found his smile and he did when he shoved MJF out of the way. Really good creative stuff, sync teeth into cool promo. 
this match existed to get to another match. And I have no worries that Samoa Joe versus Roderick Strong is going to be hot as balls on Wednesday night. I think it'll be good. It's not going to be hot as balls. I think it is because it's attached to the hot story. We'll see. I think it's going to rule. But there's where Samoa Joe can sink his teeth into the creative. This was not creative. This was the match to build to a match. And they were asking for a quarter of an hour of TV time to do it Aye. when it needed seven for that finish. Penta gets on my nerves with the stuff he tried and repeats. Like, I saw this online. I wish I could remember. I wonder, maybe it was... He's a big time... I think you can do the ma- major epic matches, but when he doesn't have to try all of that hard, mm. he's very much a house show call and response wrestler. And that's fine. But 50 minutes on a main event te- television program, not so much. Wrong slot as well, because this was the more predictable of the two grand slams. Yeah. The, like Darby and Roddy should have gone last because A, the match was definitely better. And I think it was unpredictable. You could have Roddy Strong fall in short and then complain about that. Yeah. Joe was destined for the final. Yeah. And I think they got their match order wrong. What were you going to say they saw take online? Sorry, I stepped Just on your a, toes. Um, Penta, it was a few, I think it was the last time like they were doing mask stuff. Yeah, Penta's always getting his bloody mask ripped off. Like, fix that. Wear three masks so that if you lose your first one, you don't oh, need to worry about Jay it. Lethal. Yeah, Jay Lethal. Yeah. And I just sort of think there was mask stuff here. It wasn't tied to the ropes. It mask stuff. It's like, Penta, are you, are you a bad masked wrestler? Yes. Because I know it's like sacrilege. Take it off. Yeah. You can still hit Canadian Destroyers when you're not wearing a mask. Yeah. If it's now you're undoing, get rid of it. Yes, get rid of it. And he won't, but I just think it's a crutch. Why don't I just take the things off the top? Yeah. The things that always get wrapped up in the ropes and stuff. There are loads of solutions to a problem that continues to be a problem, Penta. Yeah. Indeed. Let us know um, what mask you would wear. <laughs> On X. We all wear masks. At World Culture WWE under the Twitter link to this podcast. Whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Uh, you can follow me at M. Citric. I'm absolutely knackered. Um, no Raw preview today, though. Wacky summer continues. But we did review SmackDown. And uh, hopefully, by the end of this week... Things might start to look a little different. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. We do really appreciate it. It's not, if I don't, if I told us it's sincere, it's because I'm really tired and maybe a little bit hungover. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you later. Hungover. I'll see you later. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.